Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. It is going to be a cold day in hell when critics and fans of video games see eye to eye on every single detail. And as these 10 games prove, we've got a long way to go before we're even sitting in the same room sometimes. So let's take a look at them. As I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com, and these are 10 video games that made critics and fans hate each other. Number 10. Terminator Resistance Now, it's been a tough time for the Terminator franchise. What should have been left at two brilliant films and a string of arcade games has been strenuously dragged out into the mess that it is today. Retcons, timeline alterations, fates not being left to make themselves, it's been quite the trip. But one weird positive to come out of it was not the reviews for Terminator Resistance, but the reception to it from fans. It's not the hit cult classic status like, say, Beyond Good and Evil, but it is doing a fine job holding its own. Average review scores have hanging in the middle territories are overshadowed by the 2,000 positive reviews on Steam alone. But by no means is it a hidden gem of a game. Breaking new ground into the FPS genre, it is, and I say this quite lightly, pretty bland. Yet considering that we haven't had a Terminator game in a while, this seems to be doing the job. It may be that this is only well received because it's all we've got, but people seem to really enjoy it. Number 9. The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker Stakes were high when it came to anticipating what the follow-up to Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask would be. We had a new, more powerful console in the form of the GameCube, so it had to be spectacular. And what we got was Wind Waker. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, it is a bloody brilliant game. It is far better than Skyward Sword, at least. But hoo boy, it was a very different scene in 2003. Metaphorical pitchforks were raised and torches were lit in droves to decry how terrible it looked and how it's a radical change for the wrong reasons, etc. Etc. Now, granted, this is before anyone had actually played the damn game, but because upon its release, its integrity as a Zelda game held up pretty well against the backlash. Yes, it had changes. Yes, it did look more childish than the serious tones of Mask and Ocarina, but it's still a cracker of a game, one that people were very reticent to admit prior to getting their mitts on it. Kudos to Nintendo for sticking to their guns, though. It went to show that mass complaining can indeed fall on deaf ears, and sometimes that's a good thing. Number 8. Dragon Age 2 To be fair, this entry could have been about Mass Effect 2 and would have still followed the same beats, because they both follow kind of the same pattern. Large, immersive stories and worlds that were in the first games somehow shrunk into hub-based gameplay and less narrative depth for the sequels. Yet for Mass Effect, it went far better than expected, going on to be considered the best in the trilogy. The same can't be said, however, of Dragon Age's second offering. Critical reception was well-received, with stronger visuals and more refined combat being praised, but the same couldn't be said for fans. With their 
criticism aimed at the aforementioned hub-based gameplay being largely set in Kirkwall for nearly all of the runtime. Bioware assured that they weren't dumbing down the franchise, but it was hard for fans to agree when you put the two games in a direct comparison test. Whilst combat was less turn-based and more real-time, the dialogue wheel in place of multiple text choices was not appreciated. The team did eventually bring some semblance back with Inquisition, but for a while, the future of this series was actually in peril. Number 7. Final Fantasy VIII You don't sell as many millions of units as Final Fantasy has without suffering a few detractors along the way. Yet this isn't about the absolute travesty of Final Fantasy X-2 or the linear spectacle that was 13, but one which caused a divide some many years prior. You see, prior to the eighth main offering, Final Fantasy had always predominantly been in the realm of older, mythical fantasy. The sixth entry flirted with technological and industrial revolution sitting alongside magic, while Final Fantasy VII was a lot more modern than its previous iteration. But when 8 dropped, with its more contemporary sci-fi setting, fans went absolutely nuts. Derision was aimed at the story, with its mopey teenagers, time travel and trips into space, despite universal acclaim across the board from reviewers. No one will ever agree on what the best Final Fantasy is, but 8 was, for a time at least, considered to be the black sheep by fans, regardless of the commercial success. Opinion has shifted in recent years, even if it won't see the same treatment that 7 is currently receiving, but at the time people just weren't ready for the adventures of Squall and his teammates. Number 6. Deadly Premonition So when Deadly Premonition came out, people started referring to this as a Marmite experience. You either loved it or you hated it. And trust me, people really, really did hate this game. Now, I personally absolutely adore it. It's got this endearing quality in that it's so bad that it's good. But you know what? This game did not endear itself to critics, at least not the mainstream ones. Indie review sites absolutely loved it because it wasn't a AAA blockbuster, but because it was this odd, very odd game, which of course piques people's interest more than a run-of-the-mill military shooter sequel, except, that is, when it comes to sales. But you know what? How many other titles can you say hold a Guinness World Record for most critically polarizing survival horror game? That about sums it up, right? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas, absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. 
For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Number five, Demon's Souls. It's weird to think of the massive prestige that the Dark Souls franchise carries with it. If it's not a Dark Souls clone, it's a Soulsborne-like game. Speedruns, no-level challenges, completion using just musical instruments and fruit, you name it, people have done it because they love this franchise. But it wasn't always this way, especially when Precursor Demon's Souls came out in 2009. Critical praise was showered on it because it was new, it was fresh, it was bloody hard. And I know what you're thinking, this game holds an aggregate on Metacritic of 89, so why the hell is on this list? Well, because it was new and hard. We tend to fear change. The unknown scares us, and we've grown accustomed to handheld checkpoint gaming. It was a game for the hardcore, not the casuals. And as a result, it didn't exactly fly off the shelves at first. Fast forward 11 years to three Dark Souls, a Bloodborne and a Sekiro later, people just can't get enough. But for this little game that came before it, it wasn't the warmest reception. Number four, Gone Home. Walking simulators is the term used to describe story-driven experiences that don't fall back on certain genres of gameplay that convey the story. Hence, they became their own genre, with games like What Remains of Edith Finch, Firewatch and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture being beautiful examples of this. But that wasn't the case, though, back when the walking simulator was treading water. People were unwilling to accept that a game could be a game without, well, any real gameplay. The whole games-as-art debate started coming back out, with Gone Home being at the forefront of a lot of the brunt. Critically, it was hitting unanimously high scores across the board. Subjectively, though, fans were quick to deride it as even being a game at all. The term walking simulator became a pejorative term for this newly invented genre, yet now one that we use as a staple of praise for one of these types of adventures. But as per usual, people were quick to object to something before even playing it. It really does go to show how progressive we've all become, doesn't it? Number 3. Spider-Man Web of Shadows before Insomniac blew our minds with the wall crawler's PS4 outing, Spider-Man games were in a perpetual state of not being that well received, at least by critical reviews. Web of Shadows is a curious beast of a game though. Instead of being a straight port across many consoles, each generation and style of console had a different iteration. The then-current console versions, namely the PS3 and Xbox 360, continued the 3D open world that we were used to, but the PS2 and PSP titles were different, as was the Nintendo 3DS version. So it was difficult 
difficult for any one publication to nail a competent review, given that it's spread out across several different playstyles, and as it stands, its Metacritic score is sat around the middle for each version. Fans, by comparison, absolutely loved this game. Playing similar to modern contemporaries like Infamous and Prototype, Web of Shadows offered a competent multi-path choice system to complement the story. Do you want to be an upstanding hero that saves the day, or turn to the dark side, as it were, and become the leader of the symbiotes? It was as good as a Spidey story as we could get for the time, as well as being the closest that we've come to playing as Venom for a long old while. Number 2. Shenmue 3 Duke Nukem Forever takes a lot of flack for being an average, borderline terrible game, but also more importantly, we take the piss out of it because it took 14 years to come to fruition. But did it cost people $6 million of their own combined money? No, nor did it take 18 years to come out. Shenmue 3 did though, and it's still being thrown to the wolves so hard that it actually makes DNF look like a better game. Sitting in the middle ground on Metacritic, it's not actually that hard to see why. You could argue that users Suzuki has stayed true to his vision of the series from its earliest iteration in 1999, and fans definitely do, but as far as retaining that clunky, core gameplay and style, it really plays how you think a sequel to Shenmue should play. However, the fact that it does play like a Shen I'm just going to say Shenmue now, I'm, I'm bored of it already, game from 20 years ago has led many a critic to call this a lazy cash grab of a sequel, and you can kind of see their point as well. Staunch defenders will call it a love letter to true fans, whilst cynics will call it long past its time, and it's not hard to see both cases. And number one, Death Stranding. Come on, you had to see this coming. You can't make a list about polarizing opinions between fans and critics without Death Stranding. This game threw out the rulebook when it came to review scores, causing some reviewers to even question their own understanding of what it takes to be a gamer. It was actually quite funny. Personally, I'm in the fan camp of this. I've been invested in it since day one and delved straight into it on launch. However, I'm not going to gatekeep it as the ending of this game is so up its own ass that it could probably see the other end of BB inside us. The ruckus it caused upon release, though, was insane. It didn't just become fan against critic, but even critic against critic at some points, calling out review bias or just not getting it. Make no mistake, this is a bananas game. To try and explain it to somebody on the fence is a pretty hard task, usually resulting in, you're just gonna have to try it. All these months on, the verdict is still out whether or not Death Stranding is worthy of its accolades or is just pretentious trash. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.